welcome to the lighter side of dark. I'm Solio. And the uh, other person sitting across the table from him in his brand new shirt. Just got that from Amazon yesterday, Paul. What do you think? This is Smith. It is a very, very tight and uh, well-fitted shirt, I must say. You know what You know what this shirt is made of? A stain-proof material. A stain? Good, because it's white. Dude, this is absolutely, absolutely stain-proof. It is. Uh, so, spaghetti sauce, no match for it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, um, ask me how I heard about this shirt. Go ahead, ask me. Uh, how, how did you hear about that shirt? you asked, Paul. This shirt was on one of those uh, Facebook ads, and it showed a very... She had huge tracts of land, as they would say in Monty Python. A very well-endowed woman was okay. wearing this shirt material and pouring liquid over her northern hemisphere. And it wasn't staining, and I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that it wasn't staining, but I'm just going to tell the people who made the ad for this shirt, genius. You now know a lot about the material. Not on one, but literally you can pour anything on this shirt and it repels anything. I'm not serious. Like, you don't even have to I'm wash not, it, or you just you just have I'm, to... I'm not quite sure if I want to have somebody shoot me with a bullet just to test it, but uh, that's one of my favorite Dane Cook jokes of all time. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the only Dane Cook joke I ever laughed at, but uh, where he sees a guy in a Superman t-shirt walking down the street, shoots him four times in his chest, and says, oh, man, so you're really not Superman. <laughs> well, only one way to find out. All right, episode 25, Lighter Side of Dark. We are back again. Uh, we have to... Uh, uh, thank our listeners who helped uh, us come up with our Mount Rushmore for this week, which is going to be uh, who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Saturday Night Live cast members. I think that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm already having difficulty narrowing it down. My uh, first three came to me pretty quick, but again, it's like all of our Mount Rushmores, we're going to have to debate that fourth one. I, you know, I had two or three come to me really quickly that I thought for another minute, and I thought, and I wound up changing it. I'm still kind of changing it, so by the end of the show, I'll have it down with my honorable I, I mentions. Wanna, I want to go ahead and warn you, this is in segment three, a couple segments away, we're going to tease everybody with it. As much as I love Chevy Chase, as much as I love him, I could not put him... I 100% agree. He was on one season. Yeah, I People agree. People realize that. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Well, what do we say to open up every week? Wow. It's been a crazy <laughs> week, hasn't it? 2020, just copy-paste that <laughs> phrase. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the murder hornets to show up. Any day, you'll get a knock on the door. <laughs> murder hornet. But no, it, it was uh, it was a tough week uh, for me. Um, lost a, uh, a colleague in the industry, uh, uh, someone who was uh, looked up to a great deal in the disc jockey industry, a gentleman named Ray Martinez out in Arizona. Um, ended up succumbing to COVID at 65 years old and uh, was still performing, still uh, doing his thing out there, and it, uh, it's real. Uh, it is real. I, uh, you, just told me about, with it. you just told me about Ray this morning when I got here, and uh, I worked a gig with Ray thanks to you, and uh, Ray was a fantastic guy. He was a great DJ, very gentle, kind man, uh, and a great photographer. I remember he took a lot of pictures of the bride and their family and the groom and their family that night, it was on this beautiful island. We had to, we actually had to take a ferry to get there, and Ray was the DJ, and he was phenomenal. And uh, it's really that that upset me when you when you told me that. So Ray, um, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Yeah, it, uh, and it, we're starting to put a lot 
a lot more names to it. And I'll be brutally honest, I'd say four months ago, I would have been hard pressed to think of anybody I knew personally who had it. But since that time, it's a list now of about a dozen people that I know. And now the third person uh, who passed away, literally as a result of it, your father-in-law being the fourth one, I didn't know him very well, so I can't put him necessarily on uh, on my list of, uh, of the dozen. But yeah, and uh, so our president, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Donald Trump. Is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. He was interviewed on uh, Axios this week, uh, a very long, extensive interview with uh, probably one of the better Axios reporters. I, I watch Axios every week. It's a great news source. And he summed up the COVID pandemic uh, bumper sticker as he said, it is what it is. It is what it is. Benghazi is... Yeah. <laughs> Four, four, six lives. I can, I can only COVID, picture, it is what it is. I can picture a doctor walking into somebody's ICU room. Hey, listen, uh, granny's gone. It is what it is. That's the kind of empathy we need from a, from a leader right now. Hundreds of thousands dying. It is what it is. But, I mean, um, there's a drinking game that people have tried. And the drinking game is watch a Donald Trump press conference or a Donald Trump interview and drink every time he uses... A superlative, like tremendous, fantastic, marvelous, the best. You're going to be on the floor before the interview's over. And I thought that uh, you know, certain drinking games where um, there were drinking games in Seinfeld, there were drinking games in Friends, there were drinking games in many popular People will out. find a way to make a drinking game out of anything. That's true, but you, you, you get to a point where, okay, you know, three or four drinks per segment, that would be enough to make it That's a fun, fun drinking. But this, his superlatives drinking game, if you were drinking, I don't know, something that was 2% alcohol by volume, I think you'd be drunk uh, five minutes in. It's, it shows you how he's just all fluff if you listen to him and how often, like you said, how often he uses these superlatives. Tremendous, many great people, great thing, and very general, general statements. Yeah, and, and, all and he is. the reporter kept going back and, and, and saying, okay, Mr. President, who said that? You said they said that. Who said that? And he wouldn't answer. And it's interesting, and I, and I was saying this before we got started, he is the first interviewer I've seen press him a little bit on specificity. Uh, oh, who said that? What what steps are you taking? What you know, source? What, what source? source what manual is it saying? And, of course, he didn't have an answer because he's just so used to steamrolling people with that and then shifting the narrative immediately. He let him do it, but this, this interviewer was very slick because he, when he realized Trump's ego felt attacked, he really soothed him. He's like, no, 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 you, you draw a lot of ratings. Your fans listen to you. They love you. Then he got him to talk about the mask stuff. Yeah. He, 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 he soothed his ego, which... Is terrifying when you think, imagine what Putin must be able to do with him in a closed room. That is really terrifying. It is, it is, because, uh, and the narcissistic tendencies are one of those things where they they love the sound of their own voice, they love to tout their uh, achievements and their prowess, and, and, and they just want to be exhibitionists literally about everything about me, me, me. He talked about the ratings again. And this particular reporter, again, like you said, very, very good psychology. Savvy. Very savvy. He, you know, he tore him down a little bit, started getting, you know, built him back up. Back, also, new one to back off. Then he started becoming more forthcoming. Now, 
I will tell you right now, I believe Donald Trump is a better politician than he is a businessman. That's actually oddly true. Yeah. Now, I thought uh, back in 16, okay, we're going to finally get somebody in there who's not a politician. Somebody who's going to say the right thing. Notice I almost said, said what's, say what's on my mind. We discussed this last week. Just because you say what's on your mind doesn't make it credible, doesn't make it real. Right. It doesn't mean it's the best idea. It just means you don't have a filter. Yeah. So I, I, I liked those things. He was talking about going there and not being a politician. We'll, we'll come to find out he went there and he turned out to be one of the best of all time. Never answer a question directly. Deflect, deflect, deflect. And he is so sort of the worst of what a politician has become. What it shouldn't be, but what it's become, which is all talk, no action. Uh, lying right to your face with 100% confidence and then doing whatever you want behind closed doors. That's kind of, he's kind of the symptom of the bigger problem of what politics has become. Now, this, this past week, because last week's episode was entitled uh, Trumping Donald, because we did spend a lot of time talking about DJT, I got three, I got two text messages and one email from three Trump fr uh, supporters who are friends of mine and who are listening to the podcast. And you know, they said, oh, this is BS what you guys are doing. You should call your first segment, We Hate Trump. And I said, I tell you what, come into the podcast. I invited all three of them on any Wednesday. We typically do these on Wednesdays, not that it matters. But on any Wednesday, you're welcome to come in, sit with us. Here's an extra set of headphones. Here's an extra microphone. We will gladly give you the opportunity to, Absolutely. to, to, to speak your mind, counter what we're saying, because I believe we're talking factually. These are things I can see and hear. If it was a hamburger, I could taste it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that we are being unreasonable. I think we're just analyzing what we're seeing and reading and hearing. And, and it's not like, it's not like, you know, what he's saying, what you're seeing and reading isn't happening. No, that it is happening, so we just need to talk about it. Well, there was a, uh, there was a white supremacist last week um, and I, I can't confirm the name of the person. That's what it, I, the name of the person is in the particular article. But he was, <clears throat> he held up a, holding up a sign at a, at a rally that said, white people don't want to come, become minorities in our own country. And because they're, they're, they're talking about how within the next generation, the just plain Caucasian white people will be a minority if you count, uh, African-American and Hispanic and other ethnic groups in our country. And by the way, I'm a white guy. I'm okay with this. Yeah. But the person who showed the sign and put the article up had the line that it said, read this sign. And then underneath it, it said, um, you know, we don't want to become minorities. White people don't want to become minorities in our own country. And the, the reporter's answer was, why not? Are they treated badly or something? I mean, really, so many things wrong with that one statement. First of all, what entitlement to say it's our country? Like, white, it's a white person's country. Yeah, our and own country is what it said. I, you know, white people don't want to become a minority in our own country. Okay. I guess may, maybe uh, it's hard to interpret exactly, but I, I, maybe I took that as, you know, they, they are the ones that are entitled to this country, and then these people of color and other types getting in here or ruining it. That right. would be how they think. I don't know if that's what they... Well, it's uh, sometimes you hear these statements and it's not a bad idea to analyze them. I mean, I look at that sign and I think, okay, 
yeah, why don't you want to be a minority? Because that's what, a great common, it's, it's kind of a, here, I'm going to lob the ball back to you now. Why? Are they treated poorly? And, yeah, right. And what, that's, it's a fear of the unknown is all I can break it down to. What, what other reason, what, how does this impact their life in any way of people there's different shades. Isn't that what America is? Aren't we sort of the best of a little bit of everything? And that's what makes it so interesting is, is the cultural integration. It takes a while. I, I will tell you, there was a study done at uh, uh, Cambridge University. Uh, I could probably find the information on the Internet if I looked it up. I read it probably 10 years ago. And <clears throat> there was a, an article where they talk about what are people's natural fears? What are fears that are inherent in people? I was surprised to find out that snakes is an inherent fear. It's one of the top of... People are naturally afraid of snakes. Now, the article talked about how the snake from the Garden of Eden is what has been pre... But that didn't make sense to me because even as a child, I, I, I feared snakes even though I didn't know really much about them. Sure, they just look kind of imposing. They're, they're portrayed as always biting people and killing them. Um, yeah, spiders are another inherent fear. Very rarely will you see someone who is startled by a spider. And I will tell you, uh, about 10 days ago, my wife and I were looking at a, a property uh, not too far from here. And we were walking down the left side of the property, kind of heavy grass. And I was talking with my wife, said, I'll walk ahead of you and I'll be careful because there could be a snake out here. And as I'm walking, I'm looking down at the ground, being very careful where I'm putting my feet. I looked up. No, no less than a foot away from my face was a spider that was probably as big around as a baseball in diameter. I'm not talking about the body of it. The body of it was about the size of my thumb. That's like a tarantula. Dude, in my I mean, it was in a, in a web, and it was right in front of my face. And I made, um, I, I think, I think my wife describes the uh, the sound I made um, <laughs> when I looked up and and basically saw it. That was kind of what it was. I, uh, I, 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 I screamed, and this is no put down to women, but I screamed like a girl. I have, I have made many an effeminate and childlike sound um, when being spooked by some kind of insect or creature that I did not see. You know, sometimes something grazes against you, and you don't know what it is when you're outside. It could be anything, and that, that's when those sounds usually So be careful when you're looking for snakes, because the spot, I mean, this thing was... I just about walked into it. Had I walked into it, I don't know if it was poisonous. I don't know enough about it. I didn't go back to do a, a an entomology yeah. uh, <laughs> diagnosis. Of what kind of entomologist was. And, yeah. It was the kind that would have made me shit myself. That's the kind. That's all that people was. need to know. Is it looked that yeah. scary? Yeah, it was. It was frightening. But but getting back to the article, the reason I brought it up, the article talks about there's another inherent fear in people, and that inherent fear in people is the dark they're afraid of the dark most people are it's just it's inherent you take the biggest strongest guy in the whole entire world and say just walk into that dark room over there in this old mansion just walk in there yeah. he'll be hesitant suddenly he they have a they have a major sense removed yeah and people are people are, gen, are just again it's inherent but this article talks about the tie-in to why white people fear black people Oh my God! Are they afraid of the dark? Think about it. There may be some. There may be some plausibility That's to this. Weird. Let me ask you this: In uh, westerns, 
What hat did the good guy wear, Paul? Oh no, they're making it a white is good guy, black is evil. It's a white, black, the black good, evil the thing. The black hat guy was always the, the villain. evil, right. Why is that? Black magic is always the bad magic. White magic, white witch is a good witch. Yeah. The black witch is the wicked witch of the West. Yeah. Wow. My mind and, is blown right now. And to quote probably one of the funniest movies of 1992, which was uh, Boomerang with uh, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, and uh, the guy from uh, Living Color that you're close friends with. Um, there was a, a scene in there where Martin Lawrence was explaining how pool is a game that was invented by white people to keep the black man down. I remember that scene. Yeah. And it's hilarious. He, says, he goes, hey, you know what? This game is over when the white ball tells the black ball where to go. Think about it. It's a great analogy. It really is hilarious. And I, I think know. a lot of people maybe don't look into it. I don't know if I 100% agree with everything I read in the article, but he tied it all together very well. I mean, there are enough simple-minded people that I could see that, oh man, that thing's dark, it better be evil. You yeah. know, there, there are there are some people that are that dumb. That and I, I've, I've, I've talked about the article with a couple other people. I said, well, what color hat does the good guy wear? Lone Ranger, white hat. And everybody he went against was uh, wore a black hat. So, um, I wanted to talk about uh, our, our good friend Mitch McConnell, if I can, just for a second. Oh, good. Was, just uh, hearing you use those three <laughs> words. <laughs> good friend Mitch. There was, uh, I, w- I want to read a, uh, a quote from an article, and it says, just, it goes, uh, just like in March with the CARES Act, Senate Republicans have authored another bold framework to help our nation. So now we need our Democratic colleagues to reprise their part as well. McConnell was quoted as saying, Put aside partisan stonewalling and rediscover the sense of urgency that got the CARES Act across the finish line. I picture him staring in the mirror, straightening his tie, saying that because that's the only person he could possibly be referring to. Because they needed to get this second stimulus package done uh, by August 7th, and that's uh, coming up pretty soon now. And uh, no, I don't quite think it's going to get done, Paul, because they need to go on another vacation because the Senate works too hard it's uh it's pretty terrifying no think. other no other bills are being put through they don't this care. is they're focusing on this COVID. is 100 percent by design and americans do need that stimulus whether they make seventy-five thousand a year forty thousand a year or barely twenty-five thousand a year they need it uh and people like uh, like you and me in the entertainment industry we've been hit hard by it and we're not really starting back up until society starts back up and and unfortunately we live in Florida and uh, that ain't happening over here very very often there's a lot of idiots the Florida economy is going to take a long time to get back to normal because the snowbirds are avoiding coming back this year they would they're saying to themselves I'd rather spend a winter in New Hampshire because they're New Hampshireans I think is what they're called I mean that's the Vermontonians we discussed that a long time ago but they're going to stay up north where it's cold. I mean, normally I'd be like, good, stay there. Oh, finally. But uh, in this case... We need them. We, yeah, we need something. We need to just be nice to be able to go out and do something. But They need their economy back. Well, Paul, it's now time to do uh, our listeners' favorite segment. It's called Real Don or Fake Don. But this week, it was you, right? It was me. And we, I believe last week we switched it so that now how we're doing it, the format is... Five statements, four of these are false, one of them are true. And now now our job is to find the true statement. All right, so you picked them. Um, our, our Donald Trump guy recorded them, 
and now it is my time. I get to listen to all five and tell you the, which one is actually real. Here we go. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to that famous game show, Real Dawn or Fake Dawn? <laughs> In this game show, you'll be given five quotes from Donald Trump. One of them is made up. Your job is to figure out which one is which. Are you ready? Let's begin. Number one. Uh, John Lewis, a, a great man who did many tremendous things, but nothing as tremendous as my handling of the Johnny's virus, many great things, many test passings have happened during my presidency. Number two, I've always been a fan of Steve Jobs, especially after watching Apple's stock collapse without him, but the yacht he built is truly ugly. Number (laughs) three, the fake news at hashtag MSM gets it wrong again. Uh, No surprises, CNN has always been a horrible network. It should not be watched by anyone. Number four. I own those dressing rooms. Why shouldn't I be able to visit them anytime I want? When you own property, it's yours, and the dressing rooms are mine. Number five. The Saudis have always been my friends. I have great respect for the way they do business, and and especially the way they handle their women. Wow. What really amazes me every week we do this is how all five of them could be real or all five of them could be fake. I think that's why we keep doing this is at first it sounded like, oh, is this just some gimmicky thing? But it really has become interesting because I find now when I sit down to write, I really have to think, did he say this or not? Because I don't, I, I try to sound like him, but at the same time, he may have already said it. So it's, it's a funny and, and exercise. This, and ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, coming from somebody who's a comedy writer. I mean, Paul is a, a, a very good comedy writer. And for you to struggle with this, it, it really It blurs does. the line reality and satire, and, and I think we've seen that. All right, so in listening, um, yeah, I know he's a big fan of the Saudis. I don't think he would say the comment about even the way they treat their women. But I'm not okay. saying that wouldn't be out of his um, right. strike zone. Gotcha. Uh John Lewis, that was popular in the news recently, mm-hmm. uh, as, as early as last week. And I think you made that one up just to try to trick me. That's my guess. I don't think okay. that's number one. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my memory on this one. Okay. I believe he did make a nasty comment about CNN and the people nowhere should watch it. So I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the news comment, the hashtag MSNBC. I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Now, this may need an asterisk because that was one that I came up with. However, maybe we need to see if he actually said it because when I wrote that, I thought, you know, this is very generalized Trumpy. 
the actual true quote is number two about Steve Jobs and his uh, and his yacht. Being his truly ugly, ugly yacht. Oh man! And you know, my wife and her mom were actually scouring the web for Trump, and they went and they saw that one, and I'm like, "Are you sure that's that's too good?" And they went to verify it because we wanted to make sure it wasn't just like, "Okay, it was just a meme and some." So they went and they found a source, and he did say it was a while ago. It was, I think, a little before he was president, but because there was no real context behind it other than Steve Well, no, Jones. I think that this, this segment is real daughter fake daughter. It's not real President Trump or, or fake President Trump. It's, you know, this guy's been saying weird crap for years. Exactly. That's what I thought. So I figured, you know what, it doesn't matter. We'll be able to use real or fake quotes going back to the 80s, honestly, with this guy. He's been known pretty well since I remember him in the 80s in New York growing up because of the... The whole uh, scandal with Marla Maples and oh, he was married and yeah, he's always in the news. All right, well, I uh, I blew that one. So, uh, but this is this is a lot harder uh, to to. I mean, even if you're trying to find the real one. See, I, I kind of remember him saying something like that, but I, I would imagine, yeah, you know, like we've talked about, it's hard to make up stuff about him that people wouldn't go. Yeah, I was in the audience when he said that. Yeah, like he may have very much said some kind of word salad or or remix version of what I just said there and maybe that's why it's kind of unfair. But um, I I didn't certainly didn't look it up and copy paste it. I just kind of tried to write as if I was an angry Trump tweeting. Yeah. It's kind of what I was picturing. Did, you, like did you sit on the toilet when you did it? Because that'll that's what I picture. He always that, looks like he's sitting on the toilet. That sometimes gets the blood flowed out to your lower part of your body. It kind of forces it up to your yeah. brain. All right, well, that's going to wrap up segment number one. Segment number two, Paul, what are we going to be? Uh, we're going to do something new we haven't done before. I think we're going to do, and this was uh, thanks, Pat, for the suggestion. Shag, marry, kill. We're going to try, and we're going to use uh, random as a, a randomizer here. Rob has, uh, that's Mr. Smith to all of you. The Rob actual, has the actual game. Actual game. There's a bunch of uh, female name cards I'm holding in one hand, and there's male name cards I'm holding in the other hand that. I don't think we're going to be using those today. No, uh, we'll we, we will wait until, we'll until, until we have female, a member of the LGBTQ community to come in here. Or for a member of the LGBTQ. It, it, or, a, or a female guest who wants to come in and pick from the male column. So we've got we got it all covered. But that's our gonna, we're going to give it a shot, randomize it. All right, we'll be back right after this. special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com and place your order today. My Forever Story. You tell the story, we make sure people hear it. At My Forever Story, you have an opportunity to record your life story in your own word and in your own voice. After you're gone, this story can be played and listened to by all of your family, those who knew you, and even some who never got a chance to meet you. In most cases, it's under $100. We come to you, we sit down with you, you answer the pre-selected questions that you chose, so there's no surprises. The entire process takes less than an hour. You can elaborate as much as you would like, tell the stories from when you were little all the way up until now. 
tell your loved ones your story while you still can. We know how much it means to your loved ones to hear your voice. At My Forever Story, we give you that opportunity. Call us directly at 352-606-0248 or visit the website at my4everstory.com. That's www.my4everstory.com. The testimonials we've received are heart-wrenching. Again, my Forever Story. You tell the story, we make sure people hear it. It's conveniently stored on our national website as an MP3, so your friends and loved ones can listen to your story from their phone or a computer. My Forever Story. Hopefully, you'll take advantage of this opportunity. Call us today, 352-606-0248. Again, segment number two, LSD podcast, Lighter Side of Dark. You can always visit our website at lightersideofdark.com, spelled the correct way, by the way. We decided not to do a bunch of weird spelling like dark, D-A-R-C, or yeah, lighter. Yeah, we're not that cool. You know, L-Y-T-E. Is like a Unfortunately, light. no one, no one was clever enough to think of lightersideofdark.com previously. Right. Like for, a stripper who goes, my name is Diamond with a Y. Uh-huh, D-Y-M-O-N-N-D, I'm, I'm baby. Cinnamon with a S. Because <laughs> I will sin if you pay me enough, girl. <laughs> Speaking of strip club, uh, Paul, did you realize that a lot of strippers name themselves after cars they can't afford? Cars they can't afford. Mercedes. Porsche. Maybe it's an aspiration. You Lexus. Know, it's, like setting, it's like a dream board, you know? I'm going to call myself Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and get, get yourself some clear heels. Um, <laughs> one, probably, uh, uh, for those of you that have never paid any attention to the show, Paul is a stand-up comic, and we love to talk about uh, comedians from time to time. And I've seen a ton of great comedians live. Uh, Louis Black, Bill Maher, um, Howie Mandel. Back in the day. Me too. Back in the day. He had hair when I saw him. Yes. Um, and actually, I saw him twice. Once back in the mid-80s when I lived in the Midwest and uh, also out in Vegas. So he had the hair rocking when you saw him too. But I will never forget, in my opinion, merely my opinion, the greatest live comedy uh, show I ever saw was Carlos Mencia at the Hard Rock Live out in Orlando. Place was packed. Probably 3,500, 4,000 people there. Two hours and 20 minutes. And you're going, wow, for a comedian, that's something. But he talked about, he mentioned something about a strip club. And a couple of the women in the audience kind of like booed him. And he said, okay, stop, stop. Bring up the lights. Bring up the lights. Okay, who, who booed? Who booed? You know, hey, you paid your ticket. You paid for your ticket. Stand up. These, these two ladies stood up. He goes, okay, okay. You don't like their comment about men going to trip clubs. I'm going to explain to you right now why men go to strip clubs. So have a seat. He goes, because I'm going to, he did a video Ricky Ricardo, because I'm going to explain it to all of you, mm -hmm. okay? He goes, the reason why men go to strip clubs is not to see naked women. He goes, I'm sorry, that's not it. Because he goes, we got you. We can see a naked woman anytime we want, whether you're a girlfriend, wife, or whatever. And, and he goes, I hate to break it to you. It's all factory equipment, you know, because I really haven't seen that many boobs that don't look exactly like the other ones. Might be a little bigger, might be a little smaller. And he goes, everything else is factory equipment. The reason men go to strip clubs 
is because they want to know what it's like to be a woman. A hush fell over 3,500 people. And he goes, okay, let me explain. He goes, when me and my friends go to a strip club, pay our $10 at the door or whatever, we walk in. As soon as we walk in, women are approaching us going, hey, you want to dance? And we can look at them and go, no. <laughs> and then another one will walk up two minutes later. Hey, baby, you want to dance? No. And the crowd just started laughing. But if you think about it, that's on the money. We, yeah. we, we, we go there. When I say we, I don't mean, you know, Solio and I. I mean, but, but as men, when we go there, a lot of times these girls are being paid. Well, with my, ex, my ex-wife, the uh, trilogy, um, was the one that said, uh, when the only reason they pay attention to you, this is a perfect imitation of you if you ever meet her. <laughs> the only reason they pay attention to you is you pay them. I'm like, I'd give you 20 bucks to be nice to me for a half an hour. You know, but anyway. <sighs> All right, back to our show. Uh, now, we're doing a segment called Shag, Mary Kill. Uh, Paul touched on it briefly before we uh, started this segment. And it's, uh, there's, it's a card game. I have the cards right here in front of me. It's made up. And it, it, it came out right around the time of Austin Powers. That's why it's called Shag, Marry, or Kill. So I'm going to give Paul three names of three famous women that he should know. He has to tell me which one he would shag, which one he would marry, and which one he would kill. He's going to write them down, and I'm going to write down who I think. And we're going to see how well we match up. All right, Paul, let's, uh, let's take a quick look here. Some of your choices from the card I had read. First of all, I have to make sure that I that I pick um, people you're going to know. And usually on here are um, women that are similar in appearance. They don't want it right because they, they don't want to make it too easy. They to pitch, want it like, to be you know Jennifer Aniston, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, and uh, the chick who played Mimi Bobek on Drew Carey because that, that's pretty simple. I got uh, you. I don't remember her name. All right, now here are the three you have to choose from. You ready, Paul? I'm ready. From the remade movie of Charlie's Angels, mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, or Lucy Liu. All right? So that's what you need. So you have Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, or Drew Barrymore. Okay. and Drew Barrymore. I so you, can't, you, know, you can go ahead and write your, write your choices down. You, okay. you, you get to shag one, you have to marry one, and you have to kill one. Are there age limitations or in terms of when they debuted when when they did when they did the movie okay and Just now tuning in, you wouldn't be because that's not the way these things work. But uh, <laughs> the old radio day is coming back to me. Uh, so we're playing uh, Shag, Mirror, Kill. Paul's three choices are from the uh, Charlie's Angels uh, TV, excuse me, TV show that they made into a movie. Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu. You okay. have to... Uh, so we're drawing from that specific movie. Then. Yes, from that specific okay. movie. Okay. Not Drew Barrymore when she played in... Uh, all the Adam Sandler movies and not Cameron Diaz when, okay. when she was in Mask we're talking about in that movie all I'll, right. have to, I'll have to just kind of go by because I didn't see that horrible piece of shit remake <laughs> uh, but I am very familiar with all three of the actresses so I'll just I, I'll just try to remember the trailer and sort of 
you know, how they appeared at the trailer stuff. Right. I'm not sure what their characters were. Which one mm-hmm. would you kill? I would kill, and this is not uh, really, this is more a matter of she just didn't make the cut. So, sorry, right. Lucy. Oh, for, the, for those of you uh, uh, people out there, if Paul's not legitimately going to kill this person, we need to clarify that. Yeah, do not, sure do not try this at home. It's a game. Go ahead. You never know. There's a lot of frivolous lawsuits nowadays. Uh, I'm not, so, um, again, this is just sort of by process of elimination. So, Lucy Lou, I'm sorry, but she's dead. What did I, I put? I had to kill her. You got it. Yep, Lucy Lou, I said you would kill her. I did. I just, right. I, I don't really, I, I'm not, it just doesn't do it for me anyway, yeah. but All right. that's, that's just personal. So sorry I had to kill you. All right. So which one um, do you think that you would marry? I would say I would marry Drew Barrymore because I feel like she is more interesting as a human being and would probably be able to joke or laugh around, laugh about stuff. I just get that feeling. Okay. Maybe I'm biased from other roles I've seen her in the past. Okay. But seems re- oddly relatable and quirky to me. All right. So that means that you would. Uh, I'd be uh, shagging Cameron Diaz. You would. You would shag Cameron Diaz. I'd have no problem just leaving the next. Just get. get right out after there. it's over with. Yeah, I, I don't. She doesn't seem interesting to me. All right. So, all things being equal, three three lovely ladies. If you have to make a choice one way or the other, that was that would be my ranking. All right. Well. Uh, I would definitely, I would kill Cameron Diaz. Never been a fan. I, I, I loved her in the movie Mask and a little bit of, in Something About Mary at the beginning when she had long hair. After that, I think the woman's face is disproportionate <laughs> to her body. Um, short hair did not work well with her. And, uh, not a fan. I would uh, I would shag the daylights out of Drew Barrymore. She just, she's, she can play cute. Right. But in the movie Charlie's Angels, she was definitely the slutty sex pot of that particular movie. Um I would marry Lucy Lou. I, I like brunettes, and uh, she looks like she's got earning potential. Looks like she could, <laughs> looks like she she'd make uh, make good money over the years. Yeah, she, she's remarkable in many ways. It's yeah, and body, I, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm not one of those guys who's into quote unquote Asian women. I don't have a fetish for them or anything like that. No, Lucy just, Lucy Lou's an attractive she's woman. She's attractive woman. But in that in that comparison, I wouldn't want to marry Drew Barrymore because, Lord knows, it didn't work out with Tom Green. That's that's true. Tom got a chance. We all have a chance. That is true. All right, now it's my turn for Shag, Mary Kill. I drew a card at random, handed it to Paul. He's going to pick which one of the segments. Uh... And, and, you know, I feel like this is a good one for you. I feel like okay. this is a good one to start off with because I, I believe you'll have, you may have to think about it for a minute. Um, uh, you'll see why. First one, Pamela Anderson. That is number one, Pamela okay. Anderson. Again, we are playing Shag, Mary Kill, for those of you unfamiliar. Next name when you're ready. Ready? Yasmin Blue. Okay. Last but certainly not least, uh, a young lady by the name of Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra. I believe you may be familiar with these three I, young I, ladies. I am familiar with those three, so let's get back to... Uh... And I'm curious, because I know you enough to know you could probably put Shag next to each of these, so I'm curious to see how we break this down. To uh, segment number two, Lighter Side of Dark, the LSE podcast with Solio and Smith. We're doing something we've never done before, the the game Shag, Marry, and Kill. 
the three names that I drew random were which ones, Paul? Uh, the names that uh, for the ones that I've drawn for you yes. are um, Pamela Anderson, um, Yasmin Blue, and Carmen Electra. Okay. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, they were big stars on Baywatch. That's where the three of them were together. Was Baywatch. Uh, and I have to pick which one I'm going to shag, which one I'm going to marry, and which one I'm going to kill. What would you like to know first, Paul? I you, like, you, you wrote your own answers. I did. I am very curious to know because this – I'm going to save my, my tiebreaker in my mind. I'm curious to know who you would kill. Yasmin Bleeth. You would kill Yasmin Bleeth. Okay, I had it wrong. Okay. Ya- Yasmin Bleeth is a, a beautiful woman, an accomplished actress in direct comparison to the other two. Not a chance. Gotcha. So I that mean, was now, the... now I would I would I would kill her mercifully. Maybe shoot her once in the back of the head. Done. Wouldn't want her to suffer. Not doing anything against her. Not saying she's not attractive. Mm-hmm. Much like you were saying about your Charlie's Angels three. But hey, we're in, forced to in direct comparison. All right, so I would uh, kill Yasmin Bleed. All right. Uh, who? Would... You have a fifty-fifty shot on this next one. I, well, I think it may have screwed it up, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see if at least I got the marry right. Who would you marry? Carmen Electra. I knew it. That one I had. Yes. That one I had because I thought, you know, you could enjoy that dancing every night. <sighs> yes. And figure out something to talk about afterwards. Yeah, and you know who she was in a lesbian relationship with? I'm not sure if she still is. I don't remember. Joan Jett. Really? Yeah. I remember reading about that, that she was in a lesbian relationship with Joan Jett. And you know, Carmen, if she's been with Joan Jett and she's been with Dennis Rodman, you know she can kind of handle herself. And, yeah, and, and she's, of... she's also been with Prince because he's the one that discovered her. That's right. So she's she was, been with she was strong Paisley, personalities. She, she was a, pa- a Paisley, Paisley Park label. Okay. And she had an, uh, an, an album called uh, uh, Sexy Dancer. I have it. I, I think I, I remember. I think I that was on the, uh, the, the video for that. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. It's on a lot. So yeah, I would, I would marry Carmen Electra because she's just a stunningly beautiful woman. And I would want to have sex with her over and over and over again. Now, that leaves shagging. Of course... There's, I mean, they did a survey. Fifty percent of men asked that they would sleep with Pamela Anderson, and the other fifty percent were lying <laughs> <laughs> because she just reeks of sex. She just totally reeks of sex. She's one of those women that falls into the sexy category, really doesn't fall into the beautiful category, and definitely doesn't fall into the cute category. It's kind of like her pigeonhole is that that her her sexuality is is a calling. All right, Paul. Sure. So you got one right, and I got one right on you. All right, time for your your next draw. Oh, we got another. So draw one out of there and hand it to me. All right. That was the first one I pulled. All right. I'm going to take this one for me. Okay. So, all right. Here are the uh, choices you have for the second round of Shag, Marry, and Kill. I'm going to make sure I find a, I got a good, good one, one here. I got a good one for you, too. All right. Ooh, interesting. No, I, I definitely cannot pick the bottom three because uh, one of them was Ellen DeGeneres and as we I discovered, think we know the as you discovered last week, you're not a big Ellen fan, so I'm not going to pick that one because I could easily pick the kill uh, pretty right, quickly. Right, I know. So it's like then, then it makes it. Uh... Okay, here are your three. Are you ready? I'm ready. Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, and Tony Braxton. Huh. So Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Tony Braxton. Which one would you shag? Which one would you marry? And which one? Here. 
eagerly awaiting uh, Solio's choices. He said, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. So I've made my personal selections over here of who I think you're going to shag, marry, and kill. Let's start with who would you marry? Who would I marry? Um, of the three, I would probably marry because I just, and this is just my own... Uh, Another pers- disclaimer, if your lovely wife is listening. She's not. <laughs> she's better than she's better than all three of these women all wrapped of up course. in one. This this is a, this is our game and this is our uh, these are trying our to goals. save your marriage here, Paul. I all right, so which one would you so marry? marry? I would actually marry Tony Braxton. I did not see that coming. I I feel like she's got a certain classiness to her that I that I like. Um, none of them are really my none of them are like a really or anyone I thought. Oh man, I had a crush on that that person growing up, but. I, I'm kind of, so I'm trying to go by just, I don't know, this is this is sort of instinct, you know, it's going off of my first impression. I just get a sort of a classy vibe from Tony. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I could be completely wrong, maybe she's a bitch, who knows. She's, she's one of those rare women who can wear short hair and still come off amazingly and, feminine. And that was maybe part of it, too. It's like yeah. she has an elegance there behind yeah. it. I've never watched any of their reality show because I think if I did, I think I'd probably kill her. Okay, so, so is she on the reality show? Maybe I'm yeah. maybe I'm digging myself a hole by Braxton Family Values, oh, I think no. it's called. So it's I would highly recommend now that you, now that you've committed, you bought the ring, you're marrying her. Don't watch the show; it'll turn me off. Okay, good. So all right, all right. So I've I've got the married one wrong. Next thing I will go to is um, which one would you shag? Uh, I would go with um, Janet Jackson, dancer, probably flexible, good shape, and I, I would absolutely. I got that right. Janet right, yeah. would shag. All right, got that one. Right. And uh, you know, you cover cover the face. Try not to imagine her her siblings. See if that works out. I don't know. It's uh, I I would respect the fact that she's probably just uh, the physical rigors of the rigmarole of, of shagging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, and then kill. I put Whitney because I mean, as talented as she was, and she was incredible. I just like she became such a train wreck. And she's already dead, so it kind of makes it easier for me to justify. Yeah. I don't actually have to kill her. She kind of did that herself. Yeah, she kind of did that herself. So that that thanks Whitney for taking the. Uh... See, I, I put I put that I thought you would. Uh, when it comes to Whitney, I thought you would marry her marry because Whitney and... because in the Mount Rushmore of the '80s, you really made a good argument for why she shouldn't be one of the top four artists I, of the '80s. I, and I thought great, you were a bigger fan, but I understand. Your I have logic. great respect for her for '80s Whitney and early '90s Whitney, and then. It was so sad, you know, to see once the bodyguard, that was like uh, right around the turning point, getting into the drugs and, and getting like really just acting weird and just being a train wreck. Yeah. And a train wreck's the best off. way to describe it. Yeah. Turn it right off. All right. It's now my turn. I drew a card and you get to pick three. I think three. you're going to like this one a lot too. All right. So there's uh, for those of you who have never played the game, you, you get cards. So there are, there are four segments, red, yellow, blue, and green of four different segments of three people, either men or women, that are similar in uh, either where they were in a movie or a TV show uh, or similar in looks. They don't want to make like, this easy. Yeah, it was like a theme. They try to group it so that it's not too contrasting. Right, so my three. Your three. It's a tale of three Jessicas today. Ooh. We've got Jessica Simpson. This is this is really like made for you. Okay. Jessica Beale. If the third one's Jessica Rabbit, I'm gonna freak. No, but you're gonna like it even better. Jessica Alba. All right, Jessica Alba. All right. But I, I happen to know you like all three, so this is gonna be still difficult. Give you some time. I'm gonna 
I gotta be honest with you. When you said Jessica Simpson, do you know who the first person I thought of? I thought of Bart's sister, Lisa Simpson. Oh, Lisa. I thought you were giving me a cartoon character. Wow. I legitimately thought you were. Because I didn't, I didn't think Just running that. I thought, I thought, oh, he's going to give you three cartoon Jessicas, like Jessica Rabbit, Jessica Simpson. <laughs> I didn't realize who Jessica Simpson was. just going to make this easy on you. Mary, Mary, Mary. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this, this, this one's tough. This one is... I thought so. Yeah, you you definitely picked... I a, know you uh, can appreciate all three of these ladies. Oh, uh, and, um, and, I, and I am... Uh, again, anybody who's listening to this podcast uh, or has listened to it for more than once knows my weakness is dark skin, dark hair, and dark eyes. Any nationality, any ethnic group, I don't care. Dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes. You could put me on a deserted island like in the movie Castaway with 25 women who fit that bill and don't even speak the language. A boat could pull up full of money and crack, and I would push it out past the barrier and say goodbye. Don't tell anybody where I am. It's just You're just drawn to it. It's just how it is. All right, which one do you want to know first? I'm curious to know because I I, I want to save the surprise for who you have to kill because I know that's going to be heartbreaking. Who would you marry? I think I know. Alba. Jessica, Jessica Alba okay. for that's sure. That's what I had. Jessica Alba on my top ten is, is number four. And I happen to know that she was a top for you, but I also know that you, again, yeah, Jessica Alba, three. Uh, just a natural beauty. Uh, good businesswoman too. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very successful. Earning potential. She is. Yeah. A, she's a smart cookie. Yeah. So Jessica Alba, I would marry just so I could continue to have sex with her for years and years and years. Okay. Because she doesn't age. She still looks exactly like she did when she was Very, in her early twenties. She does. I've seen her on re- recently on commercials. Looks the same as like the nineties. Really. She she kind of looks like a just a twenty a late twenty something girl. Right. Weird kind of. Um. What kind of eugenics are you getting into over there? How this? So this I'm really curious about. If you had to kill, now you have to kill one: Jessica Simpson or Jessica Biel. Shag one and kill one. Who is getting the axe? Literally, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, you kill them how you want. But really, really ashamed to have to say this. I would kill Jessica Simpson. I thought that's how I, I had this one right. I had this one right. I, 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 yeah. would, I would kill Jessica And Simpson. I know you were very appreciative of her, her, her Oscar-worthy performance in The Dukes of Hazard. Yes. Um, just the way she really uh, channeled the, the psychology of Daisy. We're not talking about the physical attributes. Daisy Duke was really known for her uh, cerebral tendencies. Oh, yeah. I've ever watched the show. Everything in the upper area was definitely uh-huh. noticeable, for sure. <laughs> she was the brains. And it is a shame, because Jessica Simpson is, a, a, again, a physical specimen of beauty. Absolutely beautiful. So it's a I weird would, game. It forces you into yeah, a kind of a one, at least one uncomfortable decision. Well, when it comes to who I would shag. I think that leaves. Jessica Beale. For those of you that are not old enough to know the movie Flashdance, I'm telling you, Jessica Beale. town girl on a Saturday night looking for the time of her life like the Maniac song just playing. But I'm telling you, as she has aged, I don't know if it's possible, but she got hotter. Jessica Biel is beautiful. Jessica Biel has held her own. Timberlake waited 
waited, he bided his time. He found sounded like there was some some blip over there a few a couple of years back, but I yeah. uh, haven't heard anything since. But it's a good they got a good thing going. They're 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 they're, they're a good match, I would say. Yeah, her in the in the movie um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry when she's in the room with Adam Sandler and she goes over because she's wet and she takes off her clothes because she thinks he's gay. And she just runs her fingers through the outline of her underwear. Yeah. That's a good moment. I if I had that, that on the VHS tape, that part of the tape would have been... Is that the part that gets like fuzzy all of a sudden? Kind of gets, gets overused, gets, gets paused, out. gets paused a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, there we go. So that is Shag, Mary Kill. We may, uh, we may bring this back if we ever have a uh, guest. I think all guests should have to play it. They should have to play, absolutely, be indoctrinating, male or female, gay or straight. We want you to play when you come in. We'll do this, you know, maybe once a month or something like that. No doubt so. about it. All right, we'll be back with segment number three, and this week's Mount Rushmore, Paul, is about? Ooh, it's Saturday Night Live cast members, which I better... better the top four off. Saturday Night Live cast members. Coming up on segment number three, right after this. at Side Splitters Comedy Club. Uh, my favorite place to go in the Tampa Bay area when I need a laugh. They have top quality talent come through all the time. National talent, local talent. Uh, there's always great shows available. So if you've never been to a live stand-up comedy show, I want you to go check one out. They're even better in person. Sidesplitterscomedy.com. You can grab your tickets online. You can even pick your seat. So Sidesplitterscomedy.com. Go check them out. Do you like game shows? Have you ever wanted to be on one? Well, guess what? You don't have to go to California to be on your own game show. Game Show Party, located right here in the Tampa Bay area, will bring all of your favorite game shows to you. Your group, your organization, your company party, or just a group of friends. All of your favorites like Family Feud, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Pyramid, Match Game, and The Really Wet Game. For more information, visit the website at gameshowparty.com. Or call directly 727-531-8880. Again, that number is 727-531-8880. Visit the website at gameshowparty.com where you are the contestant. Said in a very soft and sultry voice, like he's <laughs> going to pick up somebody. He's here to put you all to sleep. All right, Paul, it's time for our Mount Rushmore segment. We, uh, as last week you described, we have some of our younger listeners who wonder why we're calling it the Mount Rushmore segment. It's to us, it's pretty simple. Uh, these are the uh, Mount Rushmores considered the you know four great founding fathers and presidents and all this stuff. Even though we don't think Teddy Roosevelt deserves to be there, 
he was the president who funded the whole thing, so I guess make sure. Hey, it was my idea, guys. Come on, let me on, please. If, now, if if Trump was building a Mount Rushmore, it'd be four different pictures of him. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, absolutely, or, or just one giant picture. Or it would be uh, it would be one big yeah, like this. This is my this is my head, and it's huge. And the chiseled Rocky's body underneath yeah. it. <laughs> and it, and it, it's huge. It's the biggest monument in the history of the world ever, ever. I've seen the pyramids of Giza. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to talk uh, right now the top four Saturday Night Live cast members. Uh, and I, and I Saturday Night like, Live has been around since 1975, Paul. Can you believe that? This is a lot to choose from, a lot of good talent to choose from. And, and because Mount, when I think of the Mount Rushmore, I think of the sort of the obligation for us to sort of look at it from all angles, what they did, their impact on the show, what they did behind the scenes, if anything, what they did afterwards, if anything, and Try to find who's the most deserving. I'm not sure what. Uh, who do you want to start? Who, I'll, uh, I'll I'll start. I'll start if you don't mind. Yeah. Because um, I know this guy's on your list. So we might as well knock one off sure. of yours and mine. Uh, Eddie Murphy. He is the first one on my list. First one on my list as well. Yeah. And not for his movie career after that, because so many SNL stars have gone on. Uh, stars yeah. from SCTV, Second City uh, TV, went on to be huge stars. Yes. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's one of the only ones that was both. He was at Second City, and then he made it to Saturday Night Live. Guys like John Candy also came from Second City. Uh, Rick Moranis, uh, the guys who played Bob and Doug McKenzie. Second City was a phenomenal breeding ground for talent. Eugene Levy Eugene was Levy. from Second City, but we're now listening back to Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. And, and how I based my list was a lot about how many different characters did they do on the show. That people look forward to every single week, and Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, uh, Buckwheat, uh, when he did his imitation of Stevie Wonder, James Brown. I mean, the best of Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy, that VHS tape. I don't know how many times I used to rent that from the video store and just watch it over and over with the uh, the Little Richard Simmons. Oh, Little Richard! <laughs> uh, uh, just amazing. That was a, such a great combination. And they, they said he was a, a great contributing writer as well oh, even for skits that. That, that he wasn't in. So, uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy for sure is uh, probably the first face I would carve on Mount Rushmore. You agree? 100%. Now it's time for uh, who's going to be, uh, who's, who's uh, face or schnoz or chin is going to be carved next to Eddie Murphy's. Who you got on your list? I'm putting, and this, this, may be a, a, this may be a surprise, uh, but for me it's not. I am. I, I tried to sort of segment my four into eras, early, you know, late seventies, early eighties, mid eighties, nineties, and then into the two thousands. So my second selection for the Mount Rushmore is Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Okay. I I, I may um, need to hear some justification on this. I'm going to allow you a little I'm, latitude, Your Honor. But I'm ahead. a big fan of Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman was, did a lot more writing than people realize. He, I believe, was uh, wrote um, a lot of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which is a movie I, I really love. It has such a quirky sense of humor. My wife hates anything Pee Wee Herman. Really? You First Pee Wee Big yeah. Adventure with Tim, Tim Burton. When she right? found out you didn't like Ellen DeGeneres, and I'm telling her that I'm telling you that she doesn't like Pee Wee. So now you guys can argue. She that likes Ellen. Did no, she, yeah, did, she likes Ellen. Did she read up a little bit about Ellen's? Uh, uh, my wife doesn't read. She might want to learn. She might uh, want to read up on Ellen's treatment of uh, of other human yeah. beings for the last twenty. Okay, years. Okay, so back to Phil Hartman. I think his Clinton was phenomenal. I wasn't even thinking of his Clinton actually. I, I when my my thought of Phil Hartman is he was the most versatile actor in 
for them during that period, or he was, he had so much versatility, and he was such a driving force behind so many sketches in his time on the show. Um, I, I was, you know, he, he went on to do, what was it, news radio, he starred on for a while. Right. He, he did a lot of different things, writing, he, he, uh, he was on uh, SNL as a contributing writer and uh, sketch Cash member. Number. Was he on for like seven years, six, seven years? I definitely was on at least that long. I That's would say mid-80s. an SNL cast member. Yeah, mid-80s into the early 90s maybe. Um, did a lot of movies. He had so much versatility in terms of he contributed a little bit to everything. Um, so it was between him and Dana Carvey for me. But I just, Phil Hartman just got, I don't know, I just have a little softer spot, I guess, for Phil Hartman. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be on my Mount Rushmore. I don't think he'd be on a lot. Yeah. I don't think he'd be on a lot. Of but you just stole one of mine. My my next one was Dana Carvey. I'm glad I didn't say it then, because yeah. then you can talk about it. Yeah, Dana Carvey again. As far as recurring characters, Church Lady, without a doubt, absolutely one of my absolute favorites. Um, which remind me, I have to talk to you in this segment about Between Two Ferns with uh, Zach Galifianakis. I want to make sure that I mention that. Oh, I see. Don't it. want to not talk about it. But his ver- when he would do Church Lady and the guests that he would bring on, mm-hmm. the writing for that was so good because you couldn't tell whether the guests were really into it or understanding it. And she had Sean Penn. I noticed I said she because I, I don't even think of that as Dana Carvey. I think of it as Church Lady. So Sean Penn was, was the host that week. And so Dana Carvey looks over and goes, so you're married to Madonna. And he nods his head. She says, well, let's see here. Madonna. Madonna, named after the Blessed Mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, of course, uh, your wife, who doesn't exactly run in the same circles now, does she? One of them gave birth to the Lord and Savior, Immaculate Conception. One of them dances around in underwear and preteen boys. So, and, and, I mean, Sean Penn was getting ready to punch her, or him, or Dana, whatever. I guess Dana's a unisex name. And, but, and, and then uh, he could do Perot and George Herbert Walker Bush and do them back and forth. Yeah. You know, he would go, don't want to be a one-termer. Not going to look good at this juncture. Then he'd come in two seconds later as Ross Perot. Can't I finish? You see your wife, George? She looks like a bulldog. Oh, my God. Dana Carvey, without Gar- a doubt. Garth. Oh, yeah. Wayne's World. Great supporting supporting role there. Remember, he didn't have to do too much. But it was, like, you know, good. Kind of let Mike Mike Myers shine there, who was another consideration. Dana and Mike were on my initial list. And I'm like, ah, I want to be a little different. I'm glad you picked him so that we could talk a bit about him and yeah. have that. A lot of recurring characters, but um, yeah, he he's, he deserves not it. much. Not much of a film career afterwards, sadly. Mm-hmm. That's that was that's why I saw you know Phil Hartman went on to do a lot more film role and did acting and news radio for a while until his right. death. So that was kind of what like yeah, I'll, I'll give him that nod. Um, all right, next all right. up for you, who's on your Mount Rushmore? My Mount Rushmore. Um, I wanted to choose one very impactful and memorable physical comedian. Obviously, Belushi was on that consideration, but because I wanted to give a little bit of love to all the decades uh, and all the the, the time. Uh, you're, what, you're one of those people when it comes time to invite people to your wedding. Well, if we invite Uncle George, we have to invite Uncle Wilbur. No, you don't. If you don't like Uncle Wilbur, well, you know, don't invite Uncle. Well, Wilbur. unfortunately, that's what I'm saying. Is John Belushi's not invited yeah. to the party um, just because of the the. Not you know he wasn't really there long enough even though he should have been. Uh, Chris Farley I have on there because again not on there long but when I think of the van by down by the river when I think of the Chippendales sketch right oh, off the top the sh- 
Schmidt's gay. Do you remember that beer commercial? <laughs> I actually the, do. The, 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 the sketch where Adam Sandler and David Spade, and he plays the fat, they're in, the, they're in like the diner, and he plays the big girl, lay off me, I'm starving, with that when he's like eating French. His, his impact in a scene or in a sketch was so much, he could do one line and break the entire cast or the table. But like he was yeah, his so physical, committed. His physical comedy. He was the master of physical comedy, and I just miss that he had such a. He didn't get to do what he deserved to be able to do, which was stay just healthy enough and, and, and stay that size and do more of it. I just miss that. He was. You know, it's sad how it ended for him, but I'll, his sketches just stand out as classics. Well, I mean, a lot of the overweight comedians that got their starts on SNL and SCTV, you know, John Candy's mm-hmm. and Belushi, obviously, and then Chris Farley. It's a shame that their lives were, were cut so short. Obesity had a lot to do with it. Absolutely. With medical conditioning and so on. I mean, Belushi, that's another story. Oh, he was um, all of all of it. Yeah. So, uh, Farley, too. They both yeah, if they had, If they had Deadpools back then, I would have had him on my list because they're just living a reckless lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but it's really a shame because uh, – Farley and I, I loved it when Adam Sandler hosted Saturday Night Live back. I think it was in January. He did an entire tribute and a song at the end to just Chris Farley. I, I could he wrote see a that. song about my friend Chris Farley, yeah. and it was uh, it was a touching tribute. But it, it was something Adam wanted to do, but SNL wouldn't let him host because he said he wanted to do that. And they kept saying no. He kept saying the only way I'm going to host is if I do this. Yeah. And it took you know. I'm surprised Over that... Over 10 years for SNL to finally go, yeah, if that's what it takes to get okay. you to host, we'll do it. I'm surprised they wouldn't let him do that at the end as a tribute, sort of just, to, you know, like a sweet and sentimental way to close the show after all this comedy. That wouldn't have been what the show was about, but he did it at the end, you said? Yeah. That's, to me, that's perfectly fitting. He probably hasn't been back to the set a whole lot since he used to work with him there. And I think a lot know? of it was because he wanted to do more about, about Chris Farley and SNL was like, no, we don't want to talk about dead cast members and stuff that's, like that. That's ridiculous. Speaking of dead cast members, there was a skit done in, might have been 1979, with John Belushi as an old man walking through the graveyard of all of the Saturday Night Live cast members who died before him. Wow. Look it up. And he's like, well, there's Garrett Morris, and he died of a drug overdose, and here's Gilda Radner. She died of... uh, They were all like, here's Chevy Chase. Uh, We don't really know what happened to him. He's probably dead. (laughs) And and then sadly, a couple years later, he's the one that dies first before all of them. I'm surprised that that sketch has never... Hey, Paul, you can look it up on the interwebs. I think it's called TubeU or YouTube. You can look it up that way. So, uh, yeah, very eerie when you see it now, though. Very eerie. All right. All right, my third. um, You just mentioned him briefly. I was a huge David Spade fan on Saturday Night Live. He's great. His his characters were, again, I looked forward to every week in the mid-'90s watching, hoping that he would do the the bye-bye, bye-bye. Okay. Buh. You did, you know, they're, they're walking off the airplane. Bye bye, bye bye. Uh, did you not understand the buh or the bye, bye bye? He was yeah. a master of sarcasm. Where where do I find a gate five? Bye uh, bye, uh, the gate. Bye bye. And then he would do the uh, the receptionist. The people would show mm-hmm. up, and he would say, "They he would say, you know, can I have your name? And this is uh, how do you spell that? Uh, this is regarding." not sure, I'm not sure if he's available, who are you again? And then it was funny because Phil Hartman 
was the one that came in dressed as Jesus. And you and the, the lights lit up yes. and the choir was singing. I remember that. And he walks up and he goes, Hello. And you, you David's table was You are I'm the Lord, my son. Yes. <laughs> and this yeah. is regarding oh my god, classic stuff. Um, and when he would come on with the Hollywood Minute on Weekend yeah. Update with, with Kevin Nealon, he would show up, you know, hey Kev, you know, time for a Hollywood minute. He goes, uh, Evander Holyfield, retiring from boxing. You know what, Evander, could you just come back and save one more punch? Just one more punch for the Verizon guy. Just, <laughs> can you hear me now? Good. And, and then he goes, Cindy Crawford, 61 magazine covers. We get it. You're pretty. Love Spade. Master of sarcasm. Love really, Spade. Really and loves. him and Farley together. Like in the in the yeah. in the in Tommy Boy and in Black Sheep, which were essentially the same movie. Yeah. Um, Farley's main goal in life was to crack Spade up. Mm-hmm. You could see it. And the and outtakes it. of those movies were just beyond because he, the big man, little coat was completely yeah. spontaneous, wasn't written. Right. Trying to get him to laugh. They had that 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 contrast that and friendship. Obviously, you know they had a deep deep friendship, and you you can see it in the movies. But the fact that they were so different played. Beautifully, skinny, scrawny, sarcastic, you know, whiny guy, crazy over the top, big, fat, lovable teddy bear. Mm-hmm. What a couple! Not that way, but you know, yeah. it's just a great deal. All right, time for your fourth. My fourth. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to represent. Uh, I wanted to get a, a female in there because there's so many talent. I thought about throwing Jan Hooks in there, but I don't think that enough people would would know. I just she was. I can hear listeners on our podcast going. Going to their phone, going to Google, looking yeah. at a picture of Jan Hooks. I know who she is. She's hilarious. She's good. Um, um, I'm putting Tina Fey up there because of how prolific of a not only just a writer. She's such a such an influence with the writing aspect of that show. You know, with and you can see it in the, really the 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 news. Um, I know that was sort of she was sort of limited in that way, but because she was such a prolific writer and influence in the humor of that show. And then went on to does produce. a ton of writing for Thirty Rock, and yeah, that's a the ton thing. Of writing for 30 a Rock. ton of writing for Thirty Rock. Uh, my my college roommate had a cameo, one line on on that show. Which isn't sucked. this interesting? My wife used to teach a girl in gymnastics. Yeah. Had a cameo on that show, uh, singing at the end of an episode. That's weird. You and I have Thirty Rock. We both have a connection to people who appeared on Thirty Rock. There's magic blip. here. Yeah, there's a little blip on the radar. Yeah, right? that's that's kind of cool though. I so I just you know I, I'll never forget that. I was like, oh my god, see, she's there, and um, but you know her work in um, just movie, she's created such blockbusters. Uh, again, mostly through her writing, but she's an actress too. Oh, she so, could nail Sarah Palin. Yeah, so but I have to give her Sarah credit Palin. for the Palin oh for for her acting in the movie. She's she's very well rounded and has such influence. And did it all, like just her, her prolific nature was so impressive and is impressive. So, yeah, and she's got. And it. she's one of those women that sometimes she looks hot. Oh, you could pretty her absolutely. And sometimes she just looks, you know, normal. Just plain, sure. I, I don't think she's not like a beauty or, but there were times in some movies I've seen I'm like, wow, she's really pretty. I think if you accentuate anyone's, you know, face properly or you. Do their hair properly. You can really bring out the best. And yeah. Tina Fey has nice some nice features. I, I bet they could. Ooh, I don't know. Contour is that the word? Well, for for our female <laughs> listeners or listener, whatever the case may be, Paul did put a woman on his list, so now we don't need any uh, any 
Uh, oh, she deserved National that. Organization of Women boycotting, yeah. our, boycotting our show and telling all four listeners not to listen to us. Um, I I would have I would have put Radner. I had a Gilda Radner was Gilda, good. yeah. I, I certainly also right. would have. I also would have considered uh, Tina Fey. Um, in the in the current cast right now, there's so many good uh, female talents that have come from that. Yeah. Jan McKinnon is one that uh, she oh, does. Kate, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Excuse me. Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon is fantastic. Uh, yeah, she really is. So Giuliani. <laughs> uh, she but she does so many of those so well. She does Giuliani. She is maybe just not been there long enough for me to say that, but she could definitely carve a spot someday. I think I, yeah. I agree. She's very no funny. doubt about it. My my fourth, uh, my fourth is Will Ferrell. Yeah. I and and people are going to say, well, it's because he had such a prolific movie career. No, he had a long run on SNL. He did have a long run on SNL. He and Molly Shannon together when they would do the cheerleader bit. Oh my God, it was so great. He did not have a lot of crazy recurring characters. What I liked was his diversity. Mm-hmm. He could be, he could play the husband of, uh, of a woman in a certain sketch and be able to do just stupid enough and be serious. Then he would do these unbelievable, crazy uh, things over the top. You want to talk about physical humor? Absolutely. Up there with Farley, uh, w- without a doubt. So my, my four, Eddie Murphy, Dana Carvey, David Spade, and Will Ferrell. And your four... Eddie Murphy, Phil Hartman, Chris Farley, Tina Fey. All right. I think those are both their respectable. I mean, I don't see a bunch of people from Sturgis heading over to check out our Mount Rushmore of SNL characters. But if if they're bored. I mean, I could put four different people up there and probably justify it. But I'm going to go with, you know, our confines or, hey, pick four people, justify it. There we go. And I think we did. We tried. (laughs) Before we go too much further, um, I was turned on to something a couple weeks ago. For sure, you've either heard about it. It's called Between Two Ferns, hosted by Zach Galifianakis. You're nodding your head. You've obviously seen it or familiar with it. I first saw it about 12 years ago on as a very low budget. And that is exactly... Each episode is less than five minutes long. And it's sort of a parody of Fernwood Tonight. If, if you're not familiar with Fernwood Tonight, go back and look it up. Martin Mull, it was sort of a little interview... And it's similar, except, right, that Zach Galifianakis. Yes, it, it's it's just really, he, he worked, I guess from the story, he worked on a cable access a TV station, so he saw a lot of these types of shows. So it's essentially him, a black background, cheesy black, uh, again, uh, free TV, kind of community access TV, kind of like Wayne's World, what Wayne's World was, community access. And you know, there's, there's a, two ferns and two chairs and a little table, and... He has just horrible music sound effects. They, and he goes, okay, well, let's bring on our, our next uh, guest is uh, Jennifer Aniston. And thank you. And he doesn't tell them really what it's going to be about. Mm-hmm. He just broadsides them. And Jennifer Aniston's on the same show with Tia Tequila. And all Zach Galifianakis does keep talking to Tila Tequila and ignoring Jennifer Aniston. And then right in the middle of it, he goes, now I can see why Brad Pitt left you. You know, stuff like that. And so... The president, Barack Obama, was actually on the show as president, when he was president. I remember that. And Zach Galifianakis asked him, well, how does it feel to be the last black president? And Barack Obama, he kept it together. And, oh my gosh, it's so funny. But the only reason I'm bringing it up is if you guys, if you like that kind of humor, humor that is just so dry, rumors that don't have a laugh track, humor that doesn't have a laugh track, it's one you gotta watch, and that like that bit of awkwardness or uncomfortable. He sort of pushes a lot of uncomfortable pushes silences. those buttons, but but Zach is such a 
it's hard to get angry. It's he's, he's got this like almost like he's winking at you. He's not, but you feel like you know he's playing with you. Well, he had Jennifer Lawrence on there, and Jennifer Lawrence again, a, a stunning beauty and a wonderful actress. Um, this was right after her movie with Bradley Cooper, Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. He had Bradley Cooper on there, and he and Bradley Cooper are so good friends, and he just just rakes Cooper over the coals. He has Jennifer Lawrence on there, and he says something rude to her, and uh, and she hits him back with some snide comment, and he goes, well, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for that to, to be off-putting, and she goes, actually, you need to be off-putting, but pudding, meaning P-U-D-D-I-N-G, and she just starts tearing into how fat he is. Oh, my God! So she goes, no, actually, you need to be off-putting, and he, he, he didn't write that. He wasn't prepared for it, and he was just blown away by it. That is hilarious. Yeah. But wow. for those of you that uh, this is something that I would recommend you binge watch, but you're going to have to get a huge box of popcorn and a two liter of whatever your favorite beverage is and a cooler of ice. Because if you binge watch this entire series, it takes 45 minutes because there's only about 20 episodes. Each one of them is maybe three to five minutes long. Yeah, they're just almost like segments, yeah. if anything. That's Still exactly sketches. what it is. And um, it's hilarious, but it's called uh, uh, Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis. You can find it on, I think I found it on Prime Video. I believe it was on Prime Video. If not, it may be on Netflix. But if you've got uh, uh, an Amazon Fire Stick, I can just, you know, bloop, and say Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, it pops right up. Hilarious it's, stuff. It's, it's funny that all these years later, it's like people finally get it. <laughs> like, yes, it was, absolutely. Yeah, Zach's fine. Well, Paul, it's been uh, it's been fun. It's uh, episode twenty five. Hard to believe we're, uh, we're we're rolling right along here. The wow. uh, the numbers are increasing. Our online wallet. We're getting close to that trip to Wendy's dollar Ooh, menu. I'm ready, I'm ready Paul, for some spicy nuggets. We're gonna have to Uber over and, uh, <laughs> oh, and, and go go through the uh, go through the line. Tell people where they can uh, find more information about us. Oh yeah, you can go to uh, lightersideofdark.com, or you can find us on Facebook at at lsdpodcast.com we're on Spotify we're on Anchor FM we're on Google Podcast Breakers Breakers yes uh, we I think have, we're on something called Podcast Modcast I don't know Podcast Modcast we're on a lot of podcasts wherever you Pocket listen Pocketcast we're on Pocketcast Pocket as well so um, we're, we're, we're trying to get our name out more we're um, so anywhere you listen to podcasts come find us and uh, tell us what you want to hear and search for Light of Side of Dark we have a, a teaser for next week, uh, next week we're going to be releasing information on how one of our listeners can win to Las Vegas, hotel accommodations and all, or a trip to Mexico, which also would be a nice resort, hotel accommodations as well. We're going to talk to you next week about how one of our listeners is going to win one of those vacations the very next week. It's real. It's legit. It's not a timeshare. It's real and legit. Well, I mean, would Sully Owen Smith ever, ever lead you astray? Well, everybody, uh, Paul, it's been a pleasure working with me again. It certainly has. We all, uh, want to tell everybody to please keep wearing masks, please keep social distancing, and let's get uh, over this COVID thing as quickly as possible so Paul and I can stop doing these podcasts and get back to interdu- entertaining. Is that the word? Entertaining. I forgot. Entertaining? It's been so long. I don't even remember. <laughs> Which part of the – I held a microphone the other day in my hand. I think I was talking to the down. wrong end. Thanks again, everybody. Lighter Side of Dark, episode 25. That's a wrap.
your special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com. And place your order today. Lighter Side of Dark is produced at the My Forever Story Studios in Spring Hill, Florida, in association with RSP Entertainment and Events and Solio Entertainment. Written and produced by Rob Smith and Paul Solio. Edited by Rob Smith. Original music provided by Elijah Seth Book. Available on Instagram. All material used in the show is done for entertainment purposes only and not to be taken seriously. Available on Facebook at LSD Podcast. Lighter Side of Dark, copyright 2020.